Hello, everybody. Uh, here with Lee Whitaker. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And I'm uh, uh, excited to just talk to you guys about uh, everything that's going on in the action world right now. I'm excited to hear Lee's, you know, any updates from Lee. And uh, when yeah. you've been, been watching, and uh, and I'm hoping that you, you know, give some opinions that um, very quickly ruin your career and, uh, and and get you canceled and all the bad things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you can get canceled real quick these days, man. You know, it's like you got to watch that tightrope that you're walking. Uh, no, things are good, man. It's great to see you again. It's good to be. Uh, it's good to be here. And um, I just, I just came out of Indiana Jones, so I just watched that. And um, that was interesting. It was cool. It had some big action in it. You know, um, close friend of mine is his double that I kind of grew up with in stunts and all that stuff. So it was great to kind of see him you know, on his journey, because he started doubling him uh, on the last one. Uh, I forget the name of that one. Cradle of something. Um, alien something. I don't remember anyways. And then he did all the Han Solo stuff with him, and then obviously Indy now. He's a perfect double for him. It's just like him. So it's good to kind of see his work and all that stuff. And it was also really kind of cool to see Indiana Jones being young again. It was like, you know, in the beginning of the movie, it's it's like when he was super young and, uh, and viral and everything. So it was cool. It was cool. And I got to tell you, the tut tech sequence was awesome. Oh, okay, cool. I'm looking forward yeah, to so it. Yeah, they had like a rickshaw tut tut sequence chase, and it was cool. I was like, that looked like fun. You know those boys had fun. How long has your friend been, uh, been his double? Oh. Well, it depends on when that last one was, right? With Shia LaBeouf? Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull, that's it. Yeah, I, I think, I believe that's when he started doubling him. I don't know if he did before then, but I believe that's when he did. And then obviously when when the Star Wars one came out with the sun and everything like that, when Harrison, when that character came back, you know, he's doubling him there. And then he's been nonstop doubling him. It's cool. So, I, was, I mean, that's cool. I always thought Harrison Ford had a great punch. Always, and, uh, the best punch, and the sound design really made it, yeah, right? Because the sound design was like a thick bolt and a slap. Yeah, I think all of us in the indie action and previous world, we have that sound effect in our library. Yeah, and we like to just kind of throw it in there whenever possible. Uh, yeah, but, but there was something very posy about he, how he punched that maybe as a martial artist we don't think about, but then when we see it. It's it's so aesthetic. It's almost like a live show punch in a way. It really is. If, if you think about or the westerns back in the westerns, you know, when you're really reaching back here to throw that punch, and you're really telegraphing that. But he does it in a way that it's not like, hey, here it comes, and but it's coming with ten pounds or sixteen pounds. It's boom, he's cracking it in. But it but he just it just works perfectly. I think if you see anybody else do it, it's going to feel different. Yeah, I was talking to um, uh, another Lee, Lee Davis. He's an animator, animator on The Last of Us 2. And uh, he was talking about whenever he's animating attacks in games, he always, he always animates that, that big anticipation. And it's, mm. just, a, it's just for a, a split second. Uh, but it's very non-martial artsy because in martial arts, whenever you do this, you get whacked with the cane. Yeah, totally. You don't want to do that, but then the you're just giving it away. Yeah, you're giving it away. Uh, so sometimes martial arts teaches us bad screen fighting skills. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think what you know, talking about that, there's a massive difference between being a martial artist and then uh, on screen fighter. And when I started, 
I was just an on-screen fighter. You know what I mean? Then I learned martial arts. Then I got better at my martial arts. So I, and then I knew how to tie it in. So everything I learned martial arts, I was already adapting instantly into uh, film fighting. Now that I didn't know. I thought you were a martial artist before you did movies. No, I only dabbled a little bit in it. I was the reaction guy. And, you know, when I did WMAC Masters, they were hiring me because I could make them look good by taking all the reactions, all the flips and the Hong Kong spins and all that stuff. I was that guy. My, my kicks looked like crap. They used to make fun of me. It was awesome. Eric Betts, man, that guy was a freak of nature when I saw the first 540 he ever threw. I was like, what is that? You know, that makes two of us. That makes two of us. I started out the same way. I didn't know what I was really? doing. Really? Yeah, I could hit the concrete. And I'd done, yeah. some, I'd done some gymnastics. And I, I, I always say I got my, um, my, strip ball, and my strip mall Kempo yellow belt. Like every good suburban uh -huh. kid, every good redneck uh -huh. gets like a you know, Kempo yellow belt. Yep. Um, but that was like when I was 13. I never really did martial arts after that. And I picked it up yeah. sort of after the fact. Um, yeah, although same. What's interesting is that most of the most of the people uh, most of the people I talked to on this podcast, you know, yeah, they started out they started out in martial arts, um, but they always had screen fighting as the sort of end goal, which is kind mm -hmm. of a which is kind of a it's kind of strange to think about if yeah. you're learning martial arts from you know an old Korean master. And I always ask him like, did your Korean master like that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you're you're doing movements. Are you planning on how they look, or are you planning for how they actually function? Right. Well, and that's just it. Like in Taekwondo, your backspin hook kick, it, it's right here. So when you pivot around, whap, you're whacking right here. But when I was learning, because I was learning for the film. Yeah, I'm working with JJ and Tim Connolly and, and Clayton Barber. They're at their apex level of, of Taekwondo. They're Olympic Taekwondoists. So I'm learning from those guys. But we're creating it into the film realm. So then that backspin hook kick goes from here to here. You know what I mean? So that I can make sure that I drag that across the face. So it's not just a pop. It's it's dragging across. You know? This is, uh, this is also the story of uh, there's this amazing... Hong Kong stuntman called Cho Wing. He was on uh, Samo's stunt team, and Cho Wing, he's uh, he's in you know at the end of In the Line of Duty Four, and he's in uh, Red Wolf, and he's like Hong Kong films. But he could kick like like his kicks were special. There was something they super powerful. And I was asking Andy Chang about that, and he says no, Cho Wing didn't know how to kick. He learned in a park with the other stunt guys trying to figure out how to make kicking look good for camera. Ah, sweet for camera. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You knew who I thought was uh, a freak of nature was Brad Allen. Man. That guy. What was the name of that movie when him and Jackie are on the roof? On the roof? Uh, you mean, who am I? I think that's it. His, and, he, he's, 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 he doubles, <laughs> when he's doubling. I mean, there's that and there's Gorgeous. Those are his two yeah. flagship Jackie titles. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, another freak. You know, <laughs> another freak. Yeah. Um, well, what else have you been watching, Lee? It's been tough, man. I did the whole Disney thing for a hot second off of Hulu. So I did all the Mandalorian stuff. Then I felt like the Mandalorian jumped, jumped the shark tank for me at least. You know, adding, I think it was season three with some other characters. I just was like, 
no, this ain't the same anymore. You know what I mean? When it first started season one and season two, I loved it because it had that old Wild West filmmaking style that Star Wars was all about and all that stuff, right? And just the grittiness of it. This is the way. I thought that was the coolest thing. Coolest line ever. This is the way. You know, I even got my my Grogu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, The Last of Us, I really dug The Last of Us as far as like TV and stuff like that. Um, Wick, I mean, you know, Vincent, I uh, can't pronounce his name right, his double, right, from France. Uh, he worked with me on Thugs of Hindustan. I had him doubling um, uh, Khan, Amir Khan. And what a nice guy. What a nice guy. And then to see him blossom into that level, you know, because like when I worked with him, it was, it was a pirate movie, so it was more flamboyant with the body style, right? It's pirates and stuff like that and, and how Amir wanted to do it as well. So he had to kind of match that. It was kind of floaty feet. And then, but then I and I, I hadn't seen him again for years, just following Instagram and stuff like that. But then when I saw he got Rick and he was doubling Keanu Reeves, I was like, that's amazing, man. He just really leveled himself up. I know he was doing some live show stuff. And he just leveled his skill set up so high. And he got wrecked and just made it look like nothing. The stair fall, the fall, uh, yeah. even just the fall on the van or yeah. whatever he did. You see that? Yeah. So, so the movie, I mean, some of those are just incredibly brutal. But the stair fall, oh. so Chad in his, uh, his Rogan episode said that it was two takes. And he got it on the second take. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. That yeah, to me, that to me looked like an all night, all night shoot. Getting that, yeah. I was just thinking, like, how do you not get wrapped up in that, in the bar? Correct. Um, I mean, you have to be so sharp, like your brain, because when you hit that first step or you hit that pole, and then hit that step, your brain's rattled, right? But you got to stay sharp enough to every time you pip, coming around, you're you're looking down that step to see to correct yourself. Okay, here comes the pole. I got to adjust. I got to adjust. And it was just phenomenal that he could continue to adjust all the way down that stair. You know, you're, you're talking about Mandalorian. Um, I notice that as stuntmen, stunt coordinators, second-year directors, action directors, as they sort of get more advanced in their age, in their, in their career, I'm not blowing smoke, but story becomes more and more important. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, that happened to me. Same. When when did you feel that shift? I, I would I would say I would say that shift started to happen to me the first time I went to India, like 2011. When I saw that little girl, I noticed that I popped in and I saw that run and that story. That's when it shifted for me. That's when everything became about story. I think it was because it was a big moment in my life that there was a shift, a human shift, and a human evolution shift, and then I saw everything different. And then when I wrote, I started writing at that point. I really started writing a lot. And as a writer, now writing action is easy because I read scripts now from here. These writers don't know how to write action. Sorry, you don't got it. You should be writing the action in the script because it's all about page count as well. We, we went through that, right? So write the action in there because if you don't write the action in there, who knows how it could end up? And I think that can that always poses as a problem down the pipeline. 
you know, you might have some a bunch of kids doing VFX in a corner just trying to figure out the story of the action. So for me, having the story within that action is brutal. And I think Chad gets it uh, now. I think David gets it. And uh, Sam's getting it. You know what I mean? But without story, you don't care. If you don't care about the character and what he's going through, even inside the action, you're going to lose the audience and you're going to pull us out. So it's our job to make sure that we keep that audience engaged. You keep the emotions in check and you make sure that everything that you're doing in the action is connected to the character and the, his plot and his, his storyline. I'm going to prod. What was the personal event in your life that triggered this? Um, well, it was first when my, my brother died. That, that was my big shift when I saw him die in front of me. So that, that, that rattled my brain, that rattled my life. And then I went to India and I saw that little homeless girl. That's when I felt the world shook me by my soul and said, listen, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. So it's about what you do and how you present yourself and what you do. So when you go out, make sure you leave the place better than you left it. Leave a good mark, be inspirational. And and all that kind of stuff just kind of like went through my body. Mm. Yeah, it it alters your bones. There's no no other way to describe it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too in India. It was a big shift for me. Um, Although having kids probably was like a bigger shift than that. It's it's, you know, it, it hits the same... There is a there is like a nerve cluster. At, uh, you know, when you see a kid who's innocent, <laughs> then that does something. I mean, it brings you back. Uh, it makes you question all of your decisions. And like you know, you got it so easy compared to these people. Also, I mean, that's the other thing about India. Yeah. Is, as a Westerner, when you go over there, um, yeah, I mean, there's just you're no question. You're in the top 0.01 percent when you're there. No matter who you are on the team, you are in the top point you know point one point oh one percent of the team right. and so yeah and I, and I think i think knowing that too that's why it's so important to me they call these guys sport boys and it's it's the little guys that are walking around with with little water bottles and little fruit and i make sure that me and my whole team treat them with the utmost respect you know it doesn't matter who you are man especially when i'm in india it doesn't matter who i meet i'm gonna embrace them you know 100 percent. i'll never carry that ego on my shoulder did, did you ever, did you ever, were there any surprises when you treated them with respect? I mean, what was the result of that? I, I get a lot of big eyeballs, you know, and, and you can tell instantly when they're just like, whoa. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? You know, they'll come see me the, the next day. I'm like, give me a hug. And they're like, okay. And it's just, you're welcoming them. You're empowering them with positivity. You're part of the family. You, you, without you, we can't make this movie either. You know. So um, to me, it's. I think I had learned that as I became the leader in my department. You're only as good as your team. You're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with, no matter who it is. And you might be the orchestrator, you might be the painter, but everybody else is the paint they're just as important. You can't do it without them. And you can, I just think, it, I, I personally feel like the more I empower the people around me, the greater the project becomes, period, in the story. And the better they feel when they go home, 
the pride that they feel when they go home and they tell their family what I did today. And, you know, I, I was treated with respect and integrity and, and honor. And I'll never forget that. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's important. You know, leave those kind of marks on people no matter where you're at in life. Mm. Yeah. I found that to be the case, too. We had a uh, we had a driver and uh, the production assigned us as driver and um, just a really sweet guy. And I, I you know, when we first got there, um, the way that I'm raised is that when you have a driver, a cabbie, what do you strike up a conversation? Whatever it is, you know, hey, what do you do? Well, obviously, you're, you're a driver, but you know, tell me more. And then uh, I think that he might have found that strange at first and maybe even a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. But then over time, you know, like we, we you know, he started opening up a little bit more. And, um, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if I'm intruding <laughs> by being like that. But at the same time, I can't I can't help myself because what can I say? I'm an American. And in this, in this you got to be you. It's yeah. not even about not being, yeah. it's not even about being American. It's about you being. Human yeah, you. exactly. And there's and, this kind of universal you know yeah. universalism to you know to people and we kind of see this and you know a lot of us have had family members who came up from nothing you know yeah. and yeah. uh yeah that's that is interesting we, we had a, we had a similar situation in beijing we had a driver okay. um and uh we we were uh, very friendly with this man and and he's you know we had took him out to eat and everything and everything seemed great and the next thing we find out, uh, he's showing uh, terrible, like, weird videos to our translator, like, thinking that he's now in with the group, and he, like, brings this weird, I don't know if it was pornographic or what it was, but he was doing weird stuff suddenly. And so we, like, crossed a boundary where, wow. where we were expected not to cross that. Right. <laughs> and to us, it was, to, us, to us, it was like, well... Is it worth it? It's kind of worth it for us to cross that. Just is, even though now and then, like you'll get someone who's like, who sh we shouldn't cross over to that side. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so you know, with that Read in mind, then, yeah. And then when I went back to went to India, I was like, should I do it? Yeah, I'm gonna take the risk anyway. And you know, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't show me anything like that. He ended up being a really yeah. sweet guy. Same with Thailand uh, too. We had a driver in Thailand, and he didn't speak any English. Remember one night, uh, he was just drinking beers out in front of the hotel, and I went, sat down, had a beer with him, and he was watching fart videos. And like videos of people getting kicked in the nuts, you know, they have like Thai get kicked in the nuts TV, <laughs> you know, and, and we just sat there and watched and laughed at people getting kicked in the nuts, you know. And it's, Hilarious, man. You, know, you never know. Um, you never know. Uh, I, I always take the rule of thumb, just no matter where you're at, just be yourself. Because if you have honor and integrity of who you are and just sparking up conversation, that means you care about somebody else. If they want to talk, then cool. And yeah, you know, if they don't, cool. But I'm gonna be me, and I'm gonna embrace you, and I'm gonna show you some warmth. You know. Um. So after watching John Wick, um, what's your read? Not, not just on John Wick, but you know, the there's a lot of. Obviously, that film generates a lot of buzz, and Tom Cruise generates a lot of buzz too. Doing, doing your own stunts, doing your own action. The actors doing doing the action um what's your read right now on the business is is the is the industry taking cues from this or not i don't know man i i think everybody's still coming out of covid to be honest with you i think the pulse right now you you know they're watching numbers 
they're still not bringing numbers into the theater. Only certain tent poles are. The Wick, because it has the IP from years ago. Okay, so it's got that built-in audience. Mission Impossible has a built-in audience. Tom Cruise does because Maverick was like the first thing coming out of COVID and they nailed it. Totally. So I'll always go see Tom Cruise movie. I mean, that trailer looks freaking amazing. Now, he said the other day he'll do this till he's 80, like Harrison Ford. I don't know if I want to see that, but keep going because you're doing good right now. <laughs> you know, but as far as like the industry taking a cue from it, I think it's it's a hard read because you got to look at, so you look at Statham, right? Statham was doing that, but Statham was at, when you, when you start to look at like, okay, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jackie and all those guys, and you, you saw, and Scott Atkins and all that stuff. So you see where they're, they, where they sit in the industry of bringing in whatever they're bringing in or the content they're making. Keanu Reeves, you know, Tom Cruise, those guys can get away with it. If you're going to pick somebody new, who's it going to be? Who's going to be the next person that does that? I, I don't know. The You know, you look at Dwayne, he didn't do too well on Black Adam. Mm. You know, and that guy does everything he touches is gold. Mm. It seems like, you know what I mean? And, and he left the, the Fast franchise and did the Black Adam. Black Adam didn't come out very good. And it didn't it didn't do well for him at all. So I'm sure he his camp is probably thinking, okay, all right, hang on a second, where are we gonna go? Oh, we're gonna go back to Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, that works. Him and Statham, that was a great team. That's a buddy, buddy movie, right? I'd like to see. I've been waiting to see Statham come out and do something like Wick. I mean, Snatch, dude. I mean, that was. Give me a piece of Snatch. Hundred percent. Into like a Wick. Now we're talking. Guy Ritchie, take a break, do what you got to do, get back to Snatch, and give us something cool with that guy, because that would be awesome, man. That was that was just perfect combination right there. Um, I don't know who the next person is going to be if you look at it, but you also got to look at these movies have so much money, and starting fresh, it's going to be tough. Right. Because you don't have that big money to train somebody for three to six months with 8711 because you're paying all that crew. You're paying all that money. And it's not even on camera yet. It works when there's already you've already tent pulled it and then that can help that resource. Right. And the problem is right now is a lot of the investors are nervous about starting something brand new, a new franchise. You know, it's a risk. It's gambling. But, you know, if it pops, you, you, you're in it. So I'd like to see more gambling, personally. You yeah. know? And I also think that it costs too much. I think, I think you don't need 15 damn producers on a movie. I don't understand why all that is necessary in this day, in this market. Uh, yeah, I, you I, like to, I, like, I would like more gambling, too, especially if it's not with my own money. Hundred um, percent. I mean, I just did. I spent all my money and gambled on all, on my my first yeah. feature film. Well, yeah, and I that's and of course, we put our money where our mouth is. We'll we'll sink our you know, but then when it comes to I mean, you know, I was thinking about this with um, um, oh shoot, uh, lost my lost lost my my thought there, um, 
but the uh, you know Andy Andy Chang again he was talking about how uh, what it takes for an action star today and I'm thinking about the action stars they're all 55 60 years old uh, these are people in you know Dwayne Johnson Jackie Chan Statham Keanu Tom Cruise they're freaks people don't realize this they're not just stars that were handed everything they're freaks yep. and <laughs> You wonder what Cruz would have been had he done these like stunty action films when he was 30. It's incredible that he's 60 and doing it now. Right. But that's like, he's now our Buster Keaton, right? You know, 100%. And Keanu is our, you know, he's, he's our chai and fat, right? That's right. sort of like who they are. And they're old-er. <laughs> Sorry, they're yes. old-er. Older than me. Old-er. I know, I, right. I know, I look older. Um, but uh, so... What's going on? I mean, are the youngins just not hungry, Lee, or are we are we teaching them wrong? I I think part of it is you got to take a note from India. India has it right as far as their action stars can move. Those guys can move. All you got to do is get them into the act a, a certain director, getting the chops, the acting chops in a certain place. You're gold. You're sorted, and that's an easy fix. You know what I'm saying? But those guys have great skill sets because when, you know, they're out training, a lot of our actors, when, when you're young in your young twenties, as an actor trying to break it in Hollywood, you're not trying to break it as the action guy. Whereas in India, I need to, I need to be this height. My body's got to be able to look like this. I have to be able to dance, got to be able to sing and I got to be able to fight prerequisites. We don't have that here. And I think we're spoiled a little bit because of that, you know? And I think that's the thing that's missing. Well, hold on. Are these Indian action stars hungry for this? Like, what is their attitude about this? What do you mean? Do they do they love it or are they obligated? The ones I've seen love it because- Me, me too. They're making, they're making big money, man. Is it just for the money? Or do they really see something that's like, higher than that I don't want to speak at a turn right because I'm not close enough with any of them to, to speak yeah. for them I think that would be dishonest but I would imagine from what my opinion is like I just worked with this guy named Sonu Sue right and he's up six foot three the guy's body is incredible the man as a human is incredible so for him, I can say, because I, I feel like I know that guy, that it's not just about the money for that guy. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. He, he's in it to create something, and then he takes a lot of his money for charity. He'll go home. He'll show me. He goes, hey, man, this is what I did when I, when I left set yesterday. He goes home. And there's like 300 people in front of his house, and he'll just hang out and talk with them and take photos with them. Some guy came up and said, like, my son needs this operation. He's like, come, here, I'll take you to my doctor. And he'll go pay for the kid's operation. So I, I thought that was amazing. Um, but, you know, some of the newer guys, I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I know they take a big chunk of that budget, you know, and they're treated like gods. You know, the, the fans just put them on a pedestal. Um but I don't know if, you know, maybe it's the directors. I don't know. I mean, you know, cause you look at like Scorsese and you put anybody on set with Scorsese. <laughs> the director tells you to do something, you don't do it. 
and, you, and if he says, don't do it like that, try, try it again, you're going to listen to the director, you know, or Christopher Nolan or some of these other, uh, you know, really great directors. So maybe sometimes some of these directors, um, they don't, maybe they don't push them or maybe they're scared to push them, you know, or pull them down. And I think too, you know, if you think about it, like we said in our, our interview, there's a, having your finger on the pulse there is really unstable right now. It's to under, cause look, there's another South movie. I forget the name of it. Was it KGF or something? It was over the top and they loved it. It went crazy. I mean, it did so good with Kamal Hassan and all this other stuff. And some of these guys, and it just exploded. And then, but the North for whatever reason in Bollywood, it's just, it's not doing good, you know? So, yeah, you mentioned that. You mentioned that they're just not yeah, pulling, not pulling it's in the a, numbers. Yeah, so it's just a weird thing. It's like, how do you figure out that dichotomy of like, okay, what what is what does the audience want? Yeah, yeah. Do you think, um, you know, when I every every four years or so, it's like the Olympics. There's one of these new uh, next action star. Uh, nonsensical reality shows where we all know the outcome right it's going to be hosted by some current action star and then you're going to have some young kid that comes in and did wushu and they're going to do a movie and then that kid's going to go away and really like the guy that hosted the thing is still the action star right that's kind of like the big hoax right. um all the people that put these on came from these very like it was a very slow start nobody started out winning a contest nobody put their business card in a little bowl at the you know at the auto store and then became an action star the next day right they all started right. you know doing background they all started doing taekwondo tournaments i mean is this just is it just a different culture we're in maybe then it just doesn't breed i think so i i would love to you know see us come back to and again you go you go back to it and as these young actors in hollywood they want to be Brad Pitt or, you know, those guys that they, they don't necessarily want to be Tom Cruise right now because I want to be taken serious as a serious actor. Even though being Tom Cruise could make you buku bucks and doing great stuff. I, I like Tom Cruise's acting. There's nothing wrong with it. And he's making entertainment, man. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's tends to sometimes be this. I don't know what it is you know, but where they feel like, oh, I need to be a serious actor. I, I don't do commercials because I'm a serious actor. You know, that kind of mentality. So I don't know, man. That, that's, you You kind of nail, you put your thumb on something right there. Hmm. Like, who's going to be the next guy? You look at Keanu when he first started out, like Speed and all, all that stuff. It was great, man. He was a young actor, fit, doing action. Obviously, Matrix. Yeah. You know? Before that um, was, uh, was the surf movie. What was that movie called? Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Point Break, you know. Point Break is an amazing break, action man. film. And oh, it's an action so film. Good. You know? and it's, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, also look at, too, look at, look at Brad Pitt doing Fight Club. That was awesome. He was young. He looked great. Let's talk about Brad Pitt. I mean, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That was an awesome, sexy Snatch. Movie. <laughs> Snatch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Again. Right? We always go back to Snatch, man. So, I mean... Uh, what what like what's the conceit here look I, I think about these actors and I think oh yeah these guys did amazing action films you should focus on your physicality and just delivering a truthful physical performance 
where when you talk about like being taken seriously as an actor, I hear people saying that where they right. they it's like they don't even want to be physical, like they're right. Uh, are they? I need to be authentic. Well, you can still be authentic as the character in this situation. Yeah, it's still a situation. Yeah, Tom Hardy is think... another one who's very physical in yeah. his acting. You know, and everything he does, yeah. like he, I think he punches better than most stunt guys. Oh, he, when he punches, he looks like he's gonna hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I don't. It's know interesting. It's... What do you think about the Aaron kid? Aaron who? Crap! What's his last name? Wasn't he in Bullet Train? I haven't seen Bullet Train. I get uh, to watch about it. I get to watch one Godzilla. movie. Oh, I. With with the girl. <laughs> the girl, Aaron, the, and the girl. <laughs> Aaron and. <laughs> Yeah, I know that girl from from the show from um, with the monster. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe you know, again. Look, here's here's something that I, I I always say, which is that there there is this hidden pool of talent out there that we don't really pay attention to because they're not in that system, and that's Demolition Ranch, Kentucky Ballistics, Edward yeah. Sarkeesian, uh, Whistling yeah. Diesel. These guys are action comedians on YouTube that make millions of dollars. And they do whatever they want, except they just have to abide by the algorithm, which is not too different than the Hollywood marketing system. Right. right. Um, so there is a different kind of hunger out there that perhaps producers should be looking at these guys a little bit more. You know, maybe there's like a, you know. So there's a thing with that. So the thing with that is, oh, you're a YouTube influencer. I, you know, I'm because there was a there was a time on and even on some of these um, B movies or whatever like that they will look to see what your following is how many followers you got because that's obviously marketing for them and that's yes. their ploy yes and then that became a thing where it's like nah you're not really a real actor which is messed up give them a shot you know bring them the content you know but again it's a gamble yeah yeah i think it would have to be almost like you'd have to do something almost like jackass where it's semi-scripted. Or, or you would have to, I mean, it's, it's all about investors, right? It's all about what, what's the budget and how you're gonna bring the money back. Because no matter what, it's gonna be a gamble that this guy, only YouTubers know this person. Because people who aren't on YouTube aren't gonna know that person or on social media, right? Right. And it's and, the people that go to the movies yeah. or on the TVs, yeah. what people are gonna go see. Yeah. Those familiar faces. Yeah. So that's the marketing sell. Yeah. But if you got like how many millions of people that are already following you on YouTube, right? And if you can guarantee that those each person's gonna buy a ticket, different story. Yeah. Didn't uh, hardcore Henry try something like that? Isn't that kind of where that came from? Oh, what was their method? It's one of my favorite movies. I, th I think that was kind of where it came from because that was like that first person GoPro. Yeah. Well, they did a Instagram. Kickstarter to get a little bit of it off the ground, but then I think they I think they raised like six million or something to make that movie. Oh, they made yeah, they raised all the money to make their movie. And they made it back. They killed it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now that director, yeah. I mean, then he went and did Nobody. Um, yeah, we watched Hardcore Henry at the at the studios. Our, our company does Movie Night Day every two weeks, where we all watch. We all we. Pick a movie. Three people are selected at random. Everybody submit those three submit movies. We pick one. Uh, we vote. Parker Henry is one of them. Awesome. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what's going on uh, with him because that 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 film seemed like 
that was Russia's own bot. That's how I saw right. it. Right, right. I was like, here's Russian cinema because they have a certain, it has an angle. It has an angle regarding, you know, it, it, it looks just like an action movie, but there are yeah. little subtleties. There's a way that it, they treat life that's different. They treat right. violence differently. It has it has a message. It has an angle, you know, uh, mm-hmm. unintentionally most of the time, probably. Right. Um, and uh, shoot, man, I can't wait till this war's over and we get back to making movies again, you know, and the recession and all this stuff. It's so stupid. It's um, all stupid. I, we shouldn't be going to war. It's 2023. Come on, that's dumb. Yeah. For any country to go to war, it's dumb. We should all open up and just trade with one yeah. another medicine technology everything i think it's everybody needs dumb. to watch duck soup marx brothers duck soup right now I'm talking <laughs> you know fredonia and uh and everything uh, yeah <laughs> hey but back to your youtube guys that you like the demolition guys or all those uh, guys now imagine take the two hottest guys me right? and who i'm just kidding so yeah so so you and somebody else so take those two hottest guys had the most followers, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Do a test screening with them. Obviously you need content, right? Give them a script, get a feature script. That's in, try those guys out in a room, see what kind of chemistry. Is it a buddy movie or is it this guy against that guy? Right? Because if you got two of those guys, now they're pulling his audience and now they're pulling that audience. Now you might stand a stronger chance. And then what you have to do is if you really want to blow the doors off, Hollywood's going to be naysayers and you've got to convince the people who don't know who you are to come see your movie. So it's almost like you got a, it's lightning in a bottle. I have a, I have a slight change to that, uh, which would be instead of it being, so when you say a a script, right, do you mean a Hollywood script or a Hong Kong script? You mean a script that has everything kind of planned out and all the action beats are outlined and the lines are, or is it more like, look, here's your character. It's kind of like a Larry David episode. Here's your character. Here's your motivation. Here's your point A. You're trying to get to point B. This guy's in the way. That's to me, in my opinion, that's a higher risk. Oh yeah. I'm not doubting that. Yeah, Um, for sure. Like to me, to start with those guys, you want to minimize the risk because your budget's this. So how do I minimize that risk? If I'm structured, I know it's going to be gold. If the jokes are working, boom, it's gold. On the day when we're shooting, just like comedic actors, let them improv. That's fine. Let the editor do that work. But I would be, I would, I would like, I would have some kind of structure to it for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be really interesting because you know, yeah. I, I don't. There, there are really like a you know multiple kinds of influencers. Some influencers are influencers because of the products that they put on their channel, and they're very topical, whatever it might be. But some people are influencers because they're genuine characters, and you like right. watching them. They could talk about making a sandwich, and you would tune in. It's like, I, I agree with you, and 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 there, there's some kind of charisma that's captivating. Like I've been following this lady, just learning. Um, because I'm trying to write a novel right now. So I'm watching this lady on YouTube that I'm just, I, I continue to watch her. There's just something about her. She talks too long. It's like 20 minutes every damn video, but I'm, I'm engaged. I watched three and I'm like, she got me. But it's funny because I just wrote last year uh, a movie, a big action movie um, 
with an influencer as the main character. I had two main characters, and it, one's a female, and she's an influencer, and then it's the bodyguard, you know what I mean, who's going to be her bodyguard. He's ex, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. And it's a hilarious, fun, big action movie. And so I just went up to the, like, Sniper Wolf or something like that. She's like this cosplay influencer, and I learned a lot from her. And I was like, oh, that's that's the kind of character that this person is. And, you know, at first, you know, I, I think a lot of people instantly think, oh, you're an influencer. So they have this negative reaction. And and that's justified in some ways. Absolutely. In some cases. And and that's how I started this character. But by the end of the movie, you're absolutely falling in love with this character, the character arcs, and they're real human beings, man. So what happened? Uh, did you did you have any success with that? I I haven't really tried to push it. Mm. I've only entered in a couple uh, screenplay competitions. Um, for me, to be honest, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to direct it. To me, it's a David Leach movie or JJ. It's it's big budget, big budget. Mm. Opening sequence has a massive helicopter coming and shooting. Oh shit! Mm. Yeah. It's fun though. It's a fun damn movie. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's got a cosplay because she. It's all about her going to this cosplay event, and man, that seems the funniest thing I've ever written nice. in my life. Oh, it's hilarious! And he, oh my god, he goes as the God of War. Well, I know a guy who worked on that. I can get him. Yeah, I, I can. I can, hook, I can connect him with you. Exactly. That's, That's cool. right. I forgot all about that. Cause she's like, your costume is uh, hanging up in your closet, and he's just like, what the hell is this? Uh-huh. Um, you know, I bring up the influencers because um, they're hungry. Not mm. all of them. A lot of them just sell out and sell their bodies. and um, But a lot of them, they have something that really works, and they push it, and they do really dangerous stuff. I, I think Whistling Diesel is one of the, one of the top ones because he has, a, he has a real personality, and he's dangerous. Not in like a bad way. He's dangerous in a way where you're wondering if he's going to die every second. Have you ever watched these? Highly recommend. because oh. he, so He's got like 15 million subscribers. He's huge. Wow. So, I mean, he'll, he'll say, I bought, a, I bought a Ferrari just to destroy it, right? And at the at first glance, you're kind of like, ah, this is a guy that it's kind of like, uh, who's that other guy that just like throws a million dollars at people? Um, but no, it's not like that. He'll... He'll then get on. He'll get his excavator out and he'll lift the, the Ferrari and he'll spin it around and he'll dodge the Ferrari, trying not to. And he does insane stuff like that. And he does it without without regard for his life. It seems, you know. So so there are guys like that, uh, action stars, in my opinion, who are out there shooting watermelons and being funny and doing dangerous stuff and guns blowing up in their faces. Right. Making probably, I don't know, maybe on the top end or maybe on the low end, they're making 100000 a year. But then some of these guys are, I guarantee you're making tens of millions for some of these guys. Let me ask you this question. You, you know, if these guys are making that kind of corn and scratch and they got the audience, do like Jackass did. Don't create a TV show. But, hey, if now you're starting to figure out your structure, why don't you create a 90-minute something and then throw it in the theater. Yeah. Shoot it all with the same cameras, have the same thing, but have a story. Yeah. Like somebody like you who understands that. Like kind of what you were saying, right? Like the improv kind of thing and 
non-structure, yeah. but make sure it has a structure so it has some kind of story that goes beginning, middle, and end. And then throw in the look what Jackass did when they threw that damn movie in the theater. Oh yeah. Oh god. Without a doubt. You know, and if that guy's got that, then just I just I, hey man, just you know, read some um, writing books or some storybooks. You just create a cool story within what all the crazy shit that he does. I don't know if um, hmm, I think maybe they maybe they're turned off by that Lee because to, don't put me in a box. Kind of. You're actually. I, I can understand that. You're probably more free doing it their way than Hollywood's way. They get to live wherever they want. I mean, this is like Whistling Diesel. He has like a 50 acres out in like, I don't know where he's at, Kentucky or something. And So maybe he doesn't even, maybe he doesn't care to make a movie like that. Yeah, and so I just, I, what I guarantee you, they're getting hit up by producers constantly. And the question yeah. is, why aren't they starring aren't in movies? Right. You would think that right. they would be. So for some reason, they're either saying no, or the producer's realizing it's not a good deal. Um, my guess is that the YouTube model is just too good. Yeah. They, if they get, once they figure it out, right? Once they figure yeah. out that model structure. Yeah. I wake up at this time. I do this amount of time for this bit. Totally. It's going to take me this time to edit it, or somebody else is going to edit it. Yeah, and they live like they live like the upper echelon of Hollywood stars. Yeah. But let's say you had a savvy action director out there who kind of understood how they thought and how they process and how they design their stunts and then take that and build a script with that because you can't take a hollywood script and plug in one of these guys it's going to be garbage like we all know what that's no, you're right you have to understand what their model is and then you just have to have some kind of a structure that we use like a beginning middle and end you got to tell a story and otherwise you're jackass or you're just episodic right right here's your bit here's your gag here's the joke here's the, the payoff or whatever that structure is I don't know that structure but yeah you know but if you can figure out you sound like you're the guy you sound like you're, you're close to figuring this out I kind of I, I like to bounce it off people though because you know nothing's one, impossible man I, but yeah just I, always... I would say like Jackass did it so you can't do that and so if you look at YouTube and what they're doing, if it's because that's episodic, right? It's like episodic each episode, right? How many, whatever. Now, how do you create something that's longer, long form, not short form, long form? So it's figuring out, okay, so are we going to do five bits? And in those five bits that go uh, 90 minutes or whatever it is, you know, what how? We do this one first because you want to start with a bang and you got a lull. Something happens to this person. You know what I mean? Just kind of figure it out because it all is the same structure. And then you have the turn over here, you know, after act two kind of thing. What's the turn going to be? Yeah. And then the resolution and the big bang. We're going to do this. You know what I mean? I just thought of two movies. The, Jer the Jerky Boys movie. Mm. Now, remember the Jerky Boys, the prank callers. They released these yeah. hit tapes. And then they did a movie which was this very Hollywood kind of format where it was just a very like kind of cliche B Hollywood script and they just plugged them in there and just redid a bunch of their jokes. And I don't think many people converted to being Jerky Boys fans after that movie. I'm guessing most of their fans came from the records. And the other one was the Ollie G movie. Ollie G movie, from what I remember, like didn't yeah. like, wasn't a big hit. And then Borat came out and now 
That's that Sasha, a, man. Yeah, that was a hit. Now you have like two fundamentally, fundamentally different movies, right? The Ali G movie right. was fiction. Borat was a mockumentary or a documentary. What that, whatever the hell that would be called. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, mockumentary, mockumentary. But it, it was a documentary supposedly where like real people. He was interacting with real people. That is true. Them. That is true. Like, we don't know. Like they might have been. But great was it actors, Ali G? But when he did Ali G, that was that was episodic. That was first, the show it? first, yeah, and that was great. Right, and that was ex- yeah. that was great. But then when they did the movie, that was a that was a fiction. Right. But then with the Borat movie, the Borat movie followed the structure of the show, which worked right. beautifully. Even though the movie, I wouldn't call it yeah. movie beautiful by any means, but. <laughs> and it made money. Oh man! And to me, you can't. The guy was so believable. He's such a freaking talented actor, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, holy cow! Yeah, you just got wrapped up in that character. You stop thinking like this is this is fake. This is yeah. You, I don't know what you call that. That's a, the weirdest mocky docu. I don't know. It was, it's like a mocky mockumentary. He created his own. I mean, that's that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I guess he. I mean, he must have had a major hand in that. But so he I had would, a structure to it. Yeah. So he had a story. There was a storyline in through Borat and Allergy the movie. Totally, and it was it was kind of episodic in a sense, where every there was it was very episodic the way the shows were, but there was a storyline through all of it. That's it. I would and follow I think, that model yeah. if I were to go to these yeah. guys. Yes. Like, I, don't, I don't, you know, again, a lot of them just shoot watermelons and propane tanks. And they try different guns out. Okay, how do you make that last ninety minutes? It's good for fifteen right. minutes. How are you gonna make it last ninety minutes? If you could find, you need a free. story inside there. You yeah. need to fo- you need to follow that story. Whether the guy wakes up and finds out, dude, Johnny has got cancer, or whatever, whatever the story is gonna be, that's gonna be the thread line through the piece. And again, something happens here, and then something happens here. There's the turn, and you, you try to keep them so far away from that goal, and that's and then you know and that's that's what it is. And eventually he'll get to that goal, and then finding a way to make sure the audience pulls in to his journey. Yeah, hero yeah. journey, right? Let's do it in India. I think you got it. I think you just, you, you know, if if you really know those guys real well, or it's maybe getting in the room with them and just being like, hey, I think we can go this. And, and I think maybe Borat is a good baseline, you know, comparable. Yeah. You, you know, mm. if you look at, if you look at that, and you know, and, I, and just be like, look, you you guys gonna do you? What well, we need a storyline to go through this, yeah. so that the characters can have a journey, doing crazy fun stuff that you already do. Yeah. But let's connect to the audience too. On on um, it's almost like the audience sees you for what they see you all the time on YouTube, but gets another glimpse inside you as a person. Right, the arc. Yeah, but I mean, well, it's like this. If you look at the Netflix Arnold Schwarzenegger thing right now, have you seen that? Watch it. It's only three episodes, right? Watch it. You get a peek inside Arnold Schwarzenegger you never saw before. And he just, he captures your heart. And you embrace him all over again. Because there's something real and authentic about it. So I think, too, these guys, I don't know these guys, right? But, you know, they're they're showmen at that time when they're filming they're yeah but if there's moments in there to sneak the audience in take a peek through the window to see a little personality in there of who they really are that's where that journey can 
B. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe we got something here, Lee. Yeah, man. Maybe we're cooking something up right now. Oh. The, 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 question, the question would be, like, you gotta... You gotta somehow get to the top of the mailbag for these guys. Well, that's the next thing, yeah. How do you... How do you... Unless you know somebody who knows somebody, there's, you know... They're unattainable. I guarantee they all have agents, probably, or somebody, some kind of handler. You know? Because if you try to message them on Instagram, you and however many thousands. But that never stops me, man. Like, I'm trying to reach out to Javier Navarrete right now. He's the composer for Pan's Labyrinth. And you never know, man. You never know. You never know. Sometimes they want to be reached. I mean, yeah. You know, at the same time, like, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's not a bad idea to just try their agent. I don't know. It's all on IMDb Pro. They're probably all on there. Um, yeah. I use I reached out to Javier's agent. You know what I mean? I, I hustle people all the time that I want to connect with. I try to message uh Jennifer Lawrence through her company. And and Matt Damon. You know, I'm a hustler. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google on this thing until I find somebody who I can talk to, but there's gonna be gatekeepers, they're gonna keep, you know, people away, and that's their job. I get that. But it's not gonna keep me from trying. We have a question in the comments. Dante TW1 oh, asks, is Tom Cruise saving cinema with the Mission Impossible movies? It's not just Tom Cruise. He is definitely kickstarted it 100%. You've got to give him credit for that. Maverick coming out of COVID, man, knocked it out of the box. So number the other person that you got to look at is James Cameron. You cannot exclude James Cameron. He's one of the greatest filmmakers of our time. Look at Avatar. Seriously. Oh, my God, that movie's incredible. It's a piece of art. It's beautiful. Look at Oppenheimer that's coming out. You only want to see that in the theater, man. You know? Uh, so there's still people out there that really believe in the movie. Hey, man, I just went to Indiana Jones today. Yesterday, I saw Sound of Freedom, and which is a very small independent movie with Jim Caviezel about... Uh, sex trafficking right with children and just sitting in there and the the theater was half full which was great and i was just like man i just missed going to the movies there's nothing like sitting in a theater having some popcorn and a soda or whatever and just watching a movie and seeing trailers and it's just a great feeling and i miss that because even when i'm at home you hit pause ah, it's gonna pull you out of the moment yeah there is, a sort of, there is a sort of discipline to going to a movie theater, isn't there? Yeah. Where you have to go. You have to go pee before you go in. You have to make sure yeah. you have enough, you know, good and plenties or whatever your whatever your fixings are. And, but there's uh, no way your sound system is going to be as good as any great movie theater. No, no. And um, and I think that when people when when filmmakers know that you're going to a theater, they can push you a little bit because they know mm -hmm. you can't stop. The yeah, you're train. trapped. Now <laughs> at least at least that's. You know the way that it was in the 90s when it seemed as though theatrical films were shot very differently than tv films and tv shows because tv right. shows it was all you know every angle is here so that you get right. the emotion but then movies can kind of back the camera away and like make you work yeah. <laughs> make you work for the yeah. movie um Which i guess it creates a stillness so when you start backing that camera up you're you're giving me a stillness that sometimes can make you feel uncomfortable. And that's that's invoking emotion cinematically. 
and TV doesn't tend to do that. They're always boom, you know, right. It's right. Yeah. So, because if it's too uncomfortable, you might change the channel. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Just like every TV show, you got 30, 45 seconds in the very beginning, that teaser, you got to hook them in. Did you, you know, ever, then, when, huh? when you were working in TV, did you see that firsthand? Do you have any examples? It's in the script. Okay. It literally was in the script. Every script, every TV script, 30, 30 second teaser, 45 second teaser, teaser's over, and you're into this. So you knew you're part of that teaser. And it was always action. The teaser had some kind of action in it on every TV show or some major hook, cliffhanging hook that's going to pull you that, that viewer into watching. I would add uh, Michael Bay into those action filmmakers that's keeping the action genre alive. I have to disagree. I oh. mean, you can't argue with the numbers. That's the thing. Yeah, go right? ahead. Let's hear it. But but I I think Michael Bay is one of the greatest action directors of all time. So if he, if he when he yells, at I agree. Me that's while, that's what you said. You said you disagree. I'm I'm saying that exact same here, thing. Here comes my disagreement. Oh, okay, good. It's coming. It's coming. Stop doing Transformers. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I, I, I just don't care. But but I it's have, but it's a Disneyland ride, Lee. It, it's it's a Disneyland ride. People like Disneyland. How many do you need to do? Like, look, he's already got more money than he need. We all know that, right? It's just like, but what keeps driving him into that? You know, I I wanted. I liked Ambulance because it was something different. But to me, and, and Six Underground. But to me, still. 13 years of being or 13 hours of Benghazi. You got me. That's a great movie, Michael Bay. You know what I mean? Slow it down. Let the edit breathe. Let it breathe. Don't throw all this stuff at me anymore. You're a great director. Let it just breathe. You know what I mean? So I, I would like to see him do something different than Transformers. Yeah. I still think he's one of the greatest action directors of all time. Yeah. Nobody can capture action like that yeah. guy. Yeah. His brain just fires. I actually forget transformers is like half of his filmography <laughs> but um it, it does seem like maybe i don't know like if like all the other things if you were to ignore transformers though um it would seem as though michael bay is really i agree i think he's at the top of his game because he is like he has a way of directing action that is new oh yeah he's he yeah. he He's cutting edge every single time. Yeah. What the problem is, is when you throw so much action at me and I don't care enough about the characters, you don't let it breathe, I can't admire that beautiful shot that you just did and how you captured that. Because it's one after the other, one after the other. It's just like, I need to do like how many lines of cocaine to stay on top of it. Do you it shouldn't be like that. Do you think I'm that's him? No. What? Do you think that he's making those decisions? That do you think that he would like to hold on that, or do you think that he's being pushed to be rapid fire yeah, like I that? Think, no? I don't think anybody tells him what to do. Are you kidding me? Huh? No way. <laughs> no way. You know that guy's going to get whatever shot he wants. He's going to run sixteen cameras, and he's going to be in that edit. No, no, this second. And edit, 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 edit. You know what I mean? He's going to call those shots. Nobody's telling him what to do. Any movie. Now, you mentioned James Cameron. Uh, I would actually fire the same criticism back, which is uh, please stop doing yeah. Avatar. Um, because everything else okay. that James Cameron has done, 
I thought it was fantastic. And then the Avatar. Right. I feel like I feel like when I saw the Avatar trailer, I'd already seen the movie, and everyone would give me spoilers, and I was like, oh yeah, I I, I have seen it now without seeing the movie. So in terms of uh, in terms of you know, action filmmaking, though, you know, we can't forget that he made the greatest action films ever made in America. Ever. I think he made the ever. best ones. You know, like yeah, I mean, you do Terminator Two, Aliens, and uh, Last Action Hero. You're it. Titanic, The Abyss, oh, yeah. The Abyss, man, so good. Like I, I wanted to see Avatar because I wanted to see what he couldn't do then and do it now, and that's what he did. Yeah. All the underwater stuff. Yeah, and it was really pretty. I did get to the point where I'm just like going, is this animated movie? Is it? And that becomes that whole mocap kind of thing. And that torn between, you know, um, I don't know. He's still a damn good storyteller, but you're right. You know, he's going to pump out a couple more. Well, I, I, I think, you know, with, with people like Cameron and uh, Christopher Nolan too, their films are so big um, in the good, in a good way. Where there is real tech innovation with every film, whether it's, I mean, it might also be storytelling innovation, right? Christopher Nolan always I, has some. I think some, it's storytelling number one. Both yeah. those cats. Yeah, exactly, people. exactly, and uh, and but it's and also the tech. Yeah, it becomes this kind of public works project in a way. It's kind of like it's really what John Wick is doing. It's like say whatever you want about anything in that movie as a technical achievement. It's like a guy coming and building a new dam. It's right. incredible that somebody pulled this together, and he pulled a team together, and he had a vision. It has a look, it has a function, and a million people got employed to make it, and everybody's yeah. waiting for the next one. So, yeah. I think that you know, there's a lot of guys out there to answer the question. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys and a lot of stunt guys too going into directing now um, are keeping that keeping the action genre alive really well. Yeah, Sam's doing it. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, I watched uh, you know Extraction Two. I have my my notes and queries on it, but it's when it comes to the action side of it and how it was shot, hands down, it's well done. You know, to me, it all goes back to story um, and rhythm. Hmm. And, and I think what's important when you look at the great filmmakers is great filmmaking is about rhythm within the story, meaning the edit. And not flatlining, not too high, not too low. Finding that pulse where you don't lose your audience and and you keep it going to where it's like, you know, okay, nothing's happened. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Bang, 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 bang. And I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Bang, 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 bang. Oh wow, spectacle, spectacle. And what happens is I don't remember any of it. I can't tell you one scene in Six Underground except for the top of the building with the water mm. falling. Thing. Mm. That that's it, you know what I mean. Indiana Jones, I can tell you about that ball rolling. You know, I can tell you certain things. You know, in certain movies that really stand out, and I just think it's finding that really good rhythm as being a storyteller. I I would say for all action guys who are getting into directing, write, write, because that's the only way to truly learn how to be a storyteller is to write stories, to tell stories to get critiqued on those stories and get slammed on those stories. Everything that I write, I send off to professionals and I pay people to slam me 
to tell me how bad I am. Don't tell me how good I am. I don't want to know how good I am. I want to know how bad I am so I can be better. You can do that for free on YouTube. <laughs> do, you, by do, you, uh, do you also read a lot, Lee? I do. What do you read? Um, man, I, I tell you the, a, a couple books. Run right, one that I'm, I'm reading, this is my second read on the same book. It's called The Sanatorium, and it's by Sarah Pierce. And it's, she's probably one of my favorite, favorite novelists right now. And it's just something beautiful about her writing style. It's poetic. It's descriptive. It takes me there. I can see it. I can feel it. And the suspense is there. The thrill is there. The rhythm is amazing. Um, and like I say, the second time I'm reading the same book. I forget. She had a book that came out after that, too. I read that one. And I'll probably read that again. Um, I read quite a bit, you know, I, you know, I had to get, uh, the one on, <laughs> got my little collection here. So real quick, blood, sweat, and chrome. Have you heard about this I've one? I've heard of that. So blood, so this isn't the actual cover because I like to take my covers on. Oh, that does not focus oh, at all. Oh, it's censoring it. Oh, come on. You got to put it in front of your face. Put it oh, in front really? of your face. No, you got it in front of your face where the camera is. There it is. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. And what is okay. So this is by Kyle but uh what's your name? Anyways, this you have to read this. This is about George Miller, man. And this is the journey of George Miller and uh Mad Max and Furiosa and how Furiosa came about and everything like that. Did you know that he wrote Happy Feet? He's the director from Happy Feet? It all makes sense. No, I no I mean, idea. yeah. So you're reading all this, what he has gone through to make these movies, the ups and downs, and how many times that movie never happened until it did happen was over a decade with Charlize and, and Tom Hardy. It took him forever. Great story. Obviously, I got Edgar Allan Poe because I'm a big poet. I also read like uh, this Joe Silva, which is on trying to be a better person. So it's so it's a so it's a good goal. Here we go. The Silva mind control method. Is that controlling other people's minds or your own? <laughs> no, it's your own. Oh. One of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of this one too. The Art of Not Giving Up. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I like to read, man, and you know, like I was saying, you know, I, I've written a lot of scripts over the years, uh, since two thousand eleven or whatever. And then um, the, the biggest thing on my bucket list was to write a novel. And that's so daunting of a task. I've written, I, I started writing poetry when I was a kid and I was in a band and wrote music. Um, so I, I'm journeying into the whole manuscript world. I'm starting with a short story now and then I'll, I'll dive into that one when, I'm, when I know that I don't suck too bad. When, when you're reading, or I guess when you're picking a book, What's your selection criteria? I don't really have one. Like some people go straight to fantasy or sci-fi or anything like that. You, you know who's got their thumb on the pulse is uh, what's her butt? Is a book club. Sweet Home Alabama. What's that actress name? Oh, the girl. Yeah. What's her name? I don't know. Reese Witherspoon. Hi. Reese Witherspoon has like a book club that girl knows good books 
and I listened to her. And, you know, she, she found this book called Where the Crawl Dad Sings. And then she ended up producing it. She optioned the book. She produced it. That's a great movie. Go see that movie when you put that on your list. That's just good filmmaking, old school filmmaking, man. Um, so that's how I ended up with the Sanatorium. It was on, the book is on uh, Reese's book club. It was on her blah, 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 blah. So I just went to Barnes & Noble because there's one close by. <laughs> one. And I usually read the, you know, the front and the back. And then I'll read like a chapter. And if I'm finding the rhythm, I'll, I'll buy it. I've, I've picked up, I don't know how many other books that people are like, this is the greatest book ever, blah, blah, blah. And I, it was trash to me. It was trash. So I couldn't read it. What? I picked up that Fifty Shades of Grey when that, that thing was like a big deal back in the day. Everybody's like on set reading Fifty Sh Shades of Grey. I'm like, what is this book? And they're like, oh, it's like this sex Daniel Steele, like. Are you sure they were reading it or was there like another little book inside of it? I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. I went and got that book. I read three chapters and I threw that book away and I thought that was so offensive to women. I'm like, I don't understand how women like this book. It's a completely offensive. Maybe so, maybe those women like being offended. I have no idea. Like, I, couldn't I don't know, man. That's, like, that's a mystery I will books, not understand. You know? It, maybe yeah. it's like a horror movie, you know, where people don't like being killed, uh, but they sort of like pretending that they're being killed. Um, yeah. I don't know. Stephen King, man. It, that guy's the master. So you like uh, fiction? I do like fiction. Yeah. I like it because it's an escape. Mm. And I think when it comes to certain things like that, I, I want to escape or live a fantasy. And I think that's why we like movies so much, you know? Skip that mundanity of today, whatever. Mendacity? Sure. <laughs> do you, we read, we should know this word. Um, yeah. Do you ever think of optioning a book? The hardest, I would love to. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I would love to. And then direct it. Um, I, I, you know, or, you know, write the screenplay and then direct it. I would love to. I, th I would think. Everything that's good that comes out is scooped up so fast by higher ups, you know, that have, oh, this person just finished their script and only the agent has read it. And then that agent has told this person, this person, so you'll never even get in there, you know, but yeah, I would. You I never totally know, would. man. You never know. I found, I found a book that was phenomenal had 5,000, 6,000 reviews on Amazon. And I yeah. just emailed the guy and he's like, hey, yeah, let's, let's do it. It's like, what? Yeah, so it, they're out there. I guess you just never know. You never know, yeah. And what then, then, then there will be some like garbage book with 20 Amazon reviews and it comes out as a, as a new Hollywood movie. You just never know. You're right. You, you, you I would, just I would go based off of content because, you know, there's a certain kind of book that Hollywood likes. It's the, right. you know, the very, you know, whether it's a teen rite of passage thing, that's kind of agitprop or whatever it might be. But if you find something that's edgy, that, you know, you, maybe a Hollywood producer was like, ah, I'm not so sure about that. Well, you take that and you cater it to, so that it can become a good movie. You would know how to do that. I would, sure. I would jump at it personally. If you know fiction, I mean, fiction is like, I, I don't read much fiction. But when I, I read one fiction recently, and I, that was the one that I, 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 I jumped at. And, um, what was it? Never know. Uh, I don't want to say anything right now because... Okay. Yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> oh, because that's the one, you, that's the one you reached out to him. Yeah. That's yeah. great. 
Are you, are you gonna write the write the script for him? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So that'll That's be awesome. a process. So DC, yeah, it'll be a DC. great fun process, man. Yeah, and it's cool. It's an action book. Cool. Straight up action. See, that's book. what I like. Yeah. That's awesome. So you just never know. Um, my second book I'm going to write is is action, because uh, I wrote the script first, and then I'm going to write the novel after. I'm going to do that after. So I've already got the script. So now I want to go long form the the novel of it, and it's a sci-fi action. So you're writing sci-fi. Wow. It will be my. That one will be my first sci-fi. Yeah. Wow. Sci-fi yeah. stuff. What it a... is tough, but it's not like space sci-fi. Hmm. Oh, it's just okay. like 50, 60 years in the future. Oh, okay. But a lot can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Computers and quantum computing yeah. and... So what what happens in 50 years? I'm not asking you to spoil the uh, the script, but if you have you have your eye on this, what might happen in the future? What's your what's your vision of the future? Well, well it's interesting, man, because when I wrote my, my sci-fi script, Nobi, I wrote that 10 years ago, 8 years ago. When I was doing research for that one, I was doing 100-year-forward research. You know what I mean? And then when I was writing that movie, uh, <laughs> my buddy was like, oh, yeah, I'm working with Christopher Nolan right now on this movie called Interstellar. And I'm like, what? And then, like, I'm like tell me what, it, what? Tell me something. He goes, oh, yeah, it's about, you know, water and, you know, crops. I'm like, that was my story. I, my, my story was all about that because that's what the research I was doing. I'm like, ah! Dang it! This is a so very typical Hollywood story. story. Yeah. I had to change my story, but um, this one, like 50, 60 years in the future, it's just a little more dystopian. Uh, AI, you know, is kind of run rapid, you know, tech in a good way, super drugs, you know, with nanotechnology and stuff like that, you know that we're we were trying with military now we're trying with people and then it's it's all about big pharma too so i have a big pharma message nice, in it nice. and, and vaccines and stuff like that which was weird because when i wrote fuse i wrote that six years ago way before covid and about vaccines and and uh the manipulation of vaccines and how this was helping people right to cure like the common cold and all that stuff but then there's a obviously an angle to it so yeah, that sounds very enticing. We won't say anything else because YouTube will shut us down. But uh, uh, <laughs> that sounds awesome. So when you yeah. when you I mean, do you read a lot of books about tech, futurism, and and all of this? What kind of research um, do you do you do when you're thinking about this? What stuff? I usually do is like you know when you have uh, Yahoo, right? So when you click onto Yahoo, you can set up your main page. Is that, is that a search engine like Al tech. like Alta Vista, the search engine? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but you know what I usually just do? I say set up my page for. I, I want to know everything that's new tech coming out. I want to know what's going on in politics, even though I hate politics. I want to know what's going on with tech, you know, and medicine and all that stuff. And so I, I try to keep my finger on that pulse. And then if I'm doing a specific project, I'll I'll Google into. I'll dive deep into future what's happening. Like, is oil out? Why is water in? Why is that a big deal? And why did the bushes stop doing oil and went into water in South America? Stuff like that. Ooh, very cool. Do you ever read? You ever read old science books? Like old books about the history of science? No. Every now and then you get this very interesting angle uh, because they they also older books talk about older stuff 
longer right. than the new books. Right. right, like new like new books. You're not you're not really going to see many books talking about the introduction of the water clock with timekeeping right. and like the emphasis kind of shifts into like the more you know, contemporary things. Uh, but every now and then you get very interesting. I'm reading this one right now. Uh, uh, it's called. Uh, History of Experimental Magic, Experimental Science and Magic. This is written by Lynn Thorndike, 19, I don't know, 1920 to 1945. He wrote this. These eight, he wrote eight of these, and I'm on number four. And eight? Yeah, wow. eight of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like 6,500 pages or something. Oh wow! But uh, but he's what he's he's talking about the transition from astrology to astronomy, alchemy mm-hmm. to chemistry, and mm-hmm. the very very slow process by which people realize that all that old stuff was just total nonsense and then you have this new kind of like byproduct as a result like chemistry and astronomy because astronomy was really just the byproduct of people trying to like check astrological charts and trying to like try to figure out what easter was for the for the catholic church right and then eventually they're like yeah this astrology this astrology stuff's like not panning out like there's too many false positives and but we do have these incredible records. Well, let's make the Gregorian calendar. Like not, and then you have like everything you need for modern astronomy, essentially. Right. And so uh, every now and then, you know, like reading these older scientific books, you kind of get that, you get that context for how thinking shifts. And every now and so then you can kind of like move that forward and say, well, mm-hmm. how could thinking shift regarding current scientific? Because like we like to think that we're at the apex of technology and everything's correct now right? we think that all science now is correct which has never been the case by the way never and it won't be it'll never be correct because it'll it'll always evolve it'll yeah. always evolve yeah it's supposed to that's the scientific process and that's why when um and i'm not getting political here but that's why anytime someone says trust the science then that's a dead ringer that says to me that there's just a priesthood that's trying to lock in a current set of beliefs so that you don't change any so that the scientific method does not emerge from this right yeah all about control right yeah but is. yeah I, I i love science man I, I absolutely love science um that was like my jam in school and stars and space and mm. all that probably because the first movie i ever saw was star wars that'll do it you know that'll definitely do it uh but i i think we're on a precipice right now I think we're definitely on a precipice with AI. So not just AI, but um, the supercomputing that's happening right now. And you start mixing that with AI, it, it, it could explode. And I, you know, look at the guy uh, from Google that created AI. Uh, he quit, and now he's he's um, advocating against his own creation. Um, it's the Oppenheimer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, mm. but this thing can think. It's not a bomb, or is it, you know? Mm. Um, so, I, I think we're on a new precipice of something interesting in the next five years. Do you, yeah. uh, what, what's your read on AI with regards to um, the, the business with writing, creativity, concept uh, art? Yeah, so I'm in a lot of writing groups. You know, and I, I've, I've watched a few seminars that I joined in this past week on AI and writing and writers and the writing strike and everything like that. And it's uh, 
it's not going to take over yet and the algorithms just aren't there to be able to it might help you with a log line you know maybe it'll help you with the synopsis but probably won't but you know as far as writing your script it ain't going to do it so there's not really worry there and you know there's nothing like the human imperfection of humans you're not going to be able to tap into that so i don't think there's a real fear there yet uh as far as taking our jobs as writers um well i think there's so, a fear but i think that it i mean the fear is there yeah I mean, the fear is fully there i mean people are scared out of their minds but you need to educate yourself on it just because chat gpt can write your email doesn't mean it can fully write your emotional story and the complexity of the emotion that we go through as humans in every five seconds you know yeah so people forget that ai well they don't forget i think they might maybe it's maybe they think a little bit too highly of human data they think that human data is like reality and so when you take yeah. a bunch of if you take a bunch of data so we collect a bunch of data and then you throw that into a machine, into a, you know, LLM, large language model, and that thing churns it and parses it, and, and people think that, oh, it's taking reality and parsing reality, whereas it's only really taking, like, how we perceive reality. But right. it, it can't do that part, right? It always right. has to go through, I mean, it, of course it could, like, put a microphone out in space. It can, but it, it's going to fail. It's going to fail, it and it's going to have a filter that we make. It can't make its Correct. own, even if it makes its own code, it's using code that we made. Correct. Until, But that's when quantum computing and supercomputing can make it dangerous. When those two start to become something, then it can create its own thought process that we didn't program. But besides that, AI's been around forever, man. Even in the studios, the studio has been using AI for 10 years. They've been bean counting, trying to pick this scenario and this scenario on this actor and this actor. We put those together, it's gonna to be a great movie. That doesn't well, work. I mean, that's what marketing is. That's all it is, you know. It's been around forever. I think like, you know, when you have the introduction of advertising in newspapers, like that's AI in a certain way because you are sort of artificially selecting what people should look at. That's it. And that's all language is. That's what, yeah. that's the other thing is that We'll talk about social constructs and all this and it's like yeah language is a construct it's how we direct attention and yeah. ai is just like another way to direct attention yeah but personally i don't like it <laughs> uh i got into it in october for a hot three weeks because it was like the new shiny thing i'm like ooh, and my my dp friend i kept seeing all these because i'm always on pinterest because when I'm writing or researching, I'm researching on Pinterest for my writing, right? And and so I see all I see concepts art all the time from an art station. I love art station because these are artists making this concept art. And all of a sudden, I see this DP friend of mine just, you know, I made this today, I made this today, and I'm like, what the heck is how? What do you mean you made that? Oh yeah, ChatGPT. Uh, or Discord, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. What language are you speaking right now? Yeah. And he showed me what it was, and I dove in. I'm like, oh, okay, I see where it's cool, where it's flawed. And then I'm just like going, hang on a second. You're stealing from artists and just mashing it together. And now I can I can tell if something's AI in a heartbeat. 
Yeah. It all looks the same. It all has the same kind of filter yeah. kind of thing. I don't, you know, I don't you know can almost, like, yeah, like, you almost tell by the sheer volume of it too. Like we, somebody sent us a, somebody sent us a pitch deck for a film and it was a 300 page pitch deck with concept art on every page. And I'm looking at it kind of going, wow, this is really a detailed, and it was a short film, like a 20 minute short film. And I'm looking through it going like, well, wait a minute, these are all kind of like mushy, they're kind of mushy looking. Like the overall, like there was an overall coherence that was missing. You know, like one individual picture might work. You could even put it right. in a museum maybe. But then after 300 of them, you're kind of like, I don't see that that's human cool. making this, right? There's no story. Yeah. And, right. I, and that's what's going to be like, like what you're saying. It's not going to be able to write a story. It can take other stories and say, well, I'll write a story based on that. But what it can't do is it can't, like the flaws are missing, like what you said. And there's the perception of crisis, right? The perception of the current, the zeitgeist, whatever it might be. It needs us to interpret it for the for the AI so that it can then make that storyline. So I, I agree. I think as long as you, if you can get trained up on how to use it properly and not get sucked into it. I mean, that's the danger of it is it's highly addictive. Yeah. I, oh, I, I shut it down. I shut it down after the week three. I'm like, nope, I'm out. I did too. I got myself banned from chat GPT per, per, on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, I told him to leave my good. account. Yeah, because... Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I, I, it's offensive, you know, for the people who are actually making art in, in that realm. So, like, I, I'm doing a short right now, and I hired a concept artist to do the right thing. I'm paying that guy, and, yeah. you know, It'll show, Lee. I mean, look, when you ask these, you know, deep AI things, like make an image of a, you know, a, a street kid with a leather jacket on, like, one of his eyes is going to be missing. It's just... You don't even want you to got look. eight fingers on yeah, one like, hand. It's it's do I, I I worry there's this there's this amazing short film uh, on YouTube called Thalassen. I'll send you a link. Everybody go yeah, look at Thalassen when you get a chance. It'll it'll give you nightmares, but it's worth it. I promise you. I'll type it in chat. <laughs> cool. um, I think I'm spelling it right. And uh, but anyway, uh, what I wonder is. Uh, and thalassin is about this pharmaceutical drug that gives you new emotional experiences, and they're these like these weird kind of like twisted almost like alien ideas of what a human emotion would be <laughs> and they oh, show wow. drawings of what it looks like so it, it almost seems like when when you when you get into this ai and you see these kind of like monstrosities i wonder if it's affecting people's baselines i mean this is getting kind of psychological but if you look at that enough it's kind of like you know, i'll get i'll get explicit i don't mind when people look at pornography too much it changes your baseline it changes your it yeah. changes how you view women or men right. it changes how you perceive people it just affects something i don't know if it's chemical spiritual whatever it might be something changes in you and you have to undo that over time and i wonder how much ai is doing that or will do that to us potentially mm. yeah that'll be that's an interesting thought right there man that's my sci-fi movie yeah yeah do it you know it, on the same topic indiana jones the the, the first opening sequence right uh he's young again and um they everybody came down on them even though it took them three months however long it took them to shoot it right and however long they took them to do the cgi face replacement deep fake blah 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 everybody was bashing on them saying it was all ai they just don't know the difference but they're just saying but it was good vfx it's just good damn vfx but everybody's like no it's ai it's just all fake Brr. Uh, wow. So, so things that 
look normal, people are starting to think look abnormal. It's weird. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, man, we're, we're, you know, if you think about your great, great grandparents, their journey, you know, early 1900s, you know, seen 100 years of development. And then, then cut to us. Look at look at we're experiencing in the last ten years. Oh, Holy it's, cow. it's remember just, when there were pagers and now there's the cell phones and the computers and then it's just yeah. the next few years are going to be really interesting, man. Yeah, I was reading um, Charles Beard's History of the United States. I like to, I like to read older history books too because it'll focus yeah. again on older times. And he he goes into detail about 1870 to 1900. And every year from 1870 to 1900, there was some huge invention. It was like an airplane, and then there's a telegraph, and then there's you know passenger trains, uh, sleeper cars, and whatnot. And just that insane acceleration that that was only slowed down by World War One, and then I mean, Tesla. Inter- interward, yeah, yeah, and then he World exploded War II. the whole game. Yeah, and World War II, yeah, I mean, after World War One, I, I mean, look at Germany, man. There's scientists over in Germany, like World War. At the end of World War One, into World War Two, like before even World War Two started, they were killing it. Yeah. Their science. Yeah. There's stuff that they said that they were messing with anti gravity. Yeah. Back then, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of AI, um, I, I, I have, I, I do have hopes. I think that, I don't think that the answer is going to come from government agencies. And I don't think it's, I don't know, look, I don't know if the union's going to do jack shit about this, frankly. I think that it's like a lost cause. It's going to happen. Like, it's just, it's just going to happen. It's like, it would be like trying to stop the internet, right? Like it's- I read today that the studios went to the Canadian actors and offered a deal because it doesn't affect the topper echelon actors. Yeah. So it it's gonna affect them. No, it's gonna happen. As as yeah. is always the case, right? It's it's yeah. always the case. Yeah. So um, I would encourage, and as I always tell people, like understand the tech, don't be afraid of it. Wrap right. your head around it. It's it, it you know it's people are afraid of what they don't know. So educate yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that that look at fucking Salem witch trials back in the day. Yeah. Just because somebody has a crazy face or say something weird doesn't mean they're you know what i'm saying it's just like don't be afraid of what you don't know just dive in do a little research yeah. and you'll be all right like i jumped into a couple seminars at these big writers novels writers and screenwriters and they're like i know everybody's freaking out right now just don't freak out they're not it's not going to rewrite your story it's not going to re- look you as a human being nobody knows about what trauma you went through with your dad yeah. or your friend and your friend's dad, his uncle, or you know what I mean? That made you who you are today and the choices you make because of that, that screenwriters and writers, they do. And they write that in there. A computer isn't going to know all that stuff. Yeah. Cause yeah. we need all those idiosyncrasies um, yeah. to make good characters. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I do believe that there is something fundamentally different about humans uh, from animals and from machines, um, yeah. you know, this is there's been this push for a long time to equate humans with animals and with machines, and I don't buy it. And I think that if you fall into that trap, then it can be depressing. I think it's very demoralizing for people to think that you're just a collection of ones and zeros, and or that you're just an animal. It's not true. 
Um, I just don't believe that. Uh, unfortunately, that's sort of the system. I don't know why that's the system. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think it's more emergent. I think that it's an emergent system that creates both things. Um, but, you know, I would, I would encourage people um, <laughs> to remember that people are different. You know, we have language. We, the, yeah. we, we created programming languages, and that's what these things are built on. They did not create us. It's very, it's a totally different thing. <laughs> it's the, you know, it's a look, one look, look what you're saying right now. You're, you're talking about a computer and, and a human being, and the the conflict that's going on between that is the same conflict we're having between human and human right now. Be, don't be afraid of what you don't know about that culture or that yeah. person or that race or yeah. gender, whatever. Chill out. Everybody's on edge right now. Totally. I get it. So, but if we, if we fall down the same path that we did in our past through fear, we're going to fail every time. That's the key. That's the takeaway, you know? Yeah. That fear will kill us. Greed and fear. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. You know? Lee, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's a, it's been fun plumbing the depths of your brain too. I didn't know it'd go in that direction. <laughs> I appreciate that it did. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to have man. a very techie conversation with a, a stuntman and, and a creative guy. So thank you. I'm a tech geek, man. I love tech. Right on. All right, brother. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you, man. It was a great conversation. All right. Thanks. We have to share some novels soon. All right. Thank you. All right, my man.